This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey guys, this is Lane with the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast. Please leave an iTunes review. It helps us get bigger and better guests and more deals. Also, shoot me an email with any questions and go to the website and sign up for the free call with me to talk about any questions you guys have. Today's guest is Dana Dunford. Hi, good. How are you, Lane? Dana is the CEO and founder of Hemlane, a real estate management specialist for out-of-state investments. Dana, why don't you tell us a little bit about your real estate background and um, what you've been up to? Yep, absolutely. Um, so I am focused on real estate management, um, the operations side. Um, I initially started as a technology um, guru in San Francisco. Um, so like most people here in San Francisco, um, was in technology. Um, I was working at Apple um, doing new product introduction finances and then moved on over to home technology. Um, and so that was at Nest. Um, Nest was the company that was um, recently acquired a couple of years ago by Google um, for $3.2 billion. Um, so I was working with them, and they were talking about um, the latest innovations with home technology. And, of course, um, home technology starts um, with the buy-sell side. So people um, who are, or I should say, primary residence side. And then it kind of moves over to rentals um, because rentals – you tend to not put the best technology in that initially, and it, it um, transpires down in the future. And so I um, was working there and um, wanted to also bring technology to the rental business. Um, my family, thanks to my brother-in-law, um, is in real estate investing and so wanted to help make a better rental experience, both the owners and the tenants. Um, so I'm focused on the property management side of things. So Nest, I've heard of it, it's kind of like a, it hooks up everything to computers and online in the cloud. So Nest really started, they started with a thermostat. It was smart technology to say, when you're not in your home, right, there's no reason to be running the heat at 72 degrees. Using technology, you shouldn't have to every day go over to your clunky thermostat and have to turn it down to 60 degrees before you leave the house. And then when you go back to the house, have to turn it back up, but it's freezing when you walk in. Um, so using technology to actually know when people are going to be home and when they're not going to be home to make sure your home is always at the comfort level you want um, without you necessarily having to play a role in that. Um, so just like simply passive cash flow where you just want the cash flow to come in without doing anything for your home, um, at least with the thermostat to begin with, that you don't have to play a large role in it, but you're saving energy, having that smart technology turn on and off when it needs to, also providing you with the ability without you ever having to think about it. Lane, how that happens, for example, they connect with um, cars like your Mercedes, so they know when you're driving home, how far you are, how long does it take to heat up your house, and so by the time you walk in that door, your house is already at the te that temperature you want starts with that, but how I relate it to um, simply passive cash flow is when you think of a rental unit, one of the biggest pain points with management is, oh shoot, I just got a call and I need my HVAC system replaced, right? Um, or I need a new dishwasher. All of that, those types of things technology can help solve by saying, okay, um, if that is a technology enabled HVAC system, 
you can log online and see, you know, is this about to break? What's going on with it? When does it need routine maintenance? All of those types of things to help make sure that you do have that steady cash flow without any surprise expenses directly when you least need those expenses because typically that happens, they all fall at the same time. Sounds um, all fine and dandy, but I mean, it, it comes with a price tag, right? And we're trying to make it, money. It, exactly. For the Nest thermostat, that's something that a lot of rental homes don't have. And that's actually something that I've advocated putting it in your primary residence, right? But they're at $250 right now. And so the question is, what is the value of that to a renter um, versus to if it's your primary residence? You're right. It's much more catered towards primary residence. And so I think with technology, a lot of these tools are going to start in your primary residence and eventually the technology will get cheaper and it will make more sense to have a technology enabled rental property. But I just don't think that is there today with at least the hardware side of things. It's only there with the software. Right. I think we're get, definitely getting there. I mean, by the time, you know, five, 10 years at Nest will be a hundred bucks. Something that comes to mind is what you're talking about It'll work in an A-class rental, yeah. I mean, if you have an A-class rental, you probably should give me giving me a call because you're not getting too much cash flow. But a lot of the listeners, we go after C-class and B-class, and to have a $250 unit in there, um, for some people, it, it's just overkill. And, you know, we talk a lot about not outfitting your property um, in excess of your clientele. Uh, you know, sometimes all they want a lot of these homes, they don't even have dishwashers or they won't even have a garbage disposal. You know, those are some of the simple components. So it's just kind of just knowing who your avatar is and what kind of uh, uh, units there are. I know with apartment buildings, for example, if you're buying a B-class apartment buildings, now some of these amenities are really enticing to tenants. If you looked five, ten years ago, the backsplash in the kitchen was a cool thing. Now it's pretty status quo in B-class, A-class apartments but you know these small amenities like the nest or um, you know amazon lockers is a good idea for uh, apartment owners you know having somewhere that people can have their amazon packages picked up as opposed to having you know paying someone at the front desk to get the packages so all sorts of ideas with this new technology yep and lane you bring up a good point with that i think a lot of people who initially go into real estate investing emotions get in their way. I'm definitely, I definitely was there at one point where it was, Ooh, but I don't like those countertops. Let's change those and, and, you know, put granite in. But as a real estate investor, you shouldn't be doing that. Um, the rental property is not your primary residence. And so you really need to bifurcate between the two and understand what makes sense to be, um, put into your rental property, what kind of technology and tools versus what should be used in your primary residence. Right. Something that comes up a lot in my properties, I mean, my properties are probably B minus on average and the dishwasher will go out and they, they'll want a new dishwasher and, uh, you know, ask the question, like, what else in the market are they doing? You know, this is called a market survey. You know, are garage doors standard, are garbage disposal standards, are dish, dishwashers and washers standard? I mean, a lot of us may think that stuff is second nature, but in a lot of these markets, it may be overkill or maybe the status quo. So you just don't know. You have to ask. It's, it's different. Every single neighborhood, every zip code is different. Yes. And in a really easy way to do that is to just do your research of the best place I've found. Um, you can use Craigslist, but also Zillow. You can go on there and um, put in the filters to say, you know, how many homes in this area of this rental I have, how many other rentals 
are ad, are also advertising that they have a washer and dryer. In, in most rentals, they don't, right? They just have a washer dryer hookup, if that. So being able to look at your specific area where you're investing and make that decision, I couldn't agree more with you that you really do need to it seems second nature to us as real estate investors. It's not second nature within the, in particular areas where you invest. The next step would be to go to your property management company because they have the best idea. They walk these these type of units throughout the neighborhoods and they know what's uh, what are people expecting. Yes, exactly. That local knowledge is key. Having someone on the ground um, who can tell you what um, what is going on within your particular localized neighborhood is crucial. Something that I keep in mind is, you know, I want a 20% return on my money if I'm going to do some kind of capital improvement above and beyond. So like if, if that nest um, item costed, you know, say 200 bucks, I'm going to want to, you know, see a bump in rents at least, you know, 20 to $40 a year to recoup that money in about 10 years. That's the kind of, I mean, that's how businesses go about doing things. I mean, if you're going to build a $1 million road to service a new customer, you better see two hundred dollars to $300,000 of revenue coming in every single year. And that, that's how the big boys do it. And that I've kind of taken that into how I see these little things on the rentals. Yep, absolutely. And I, I think the nest is one where there are a couple of different components there, right? Because the tenant is usually paying the utilities. I would hope you would have the utilities in your tenant's name. And so having to explain that to them makes it a little bit more of a difficult process, right? In the sense that not only do you have to say, oh, well, the rent's higher because your utilities are lower, it makes it a little bit difficult of a selling point because when a tenant looks online, they just filter for a certain threshold of what's the rental rate. They don't factor in, oh, do you have something that's going to save me on my electricity who I'm paying someone else? We talk a lot about syndications on this podcast, and most of the time, these offers are only for those with an accredited status per the rules of the SEC. Now sponsoring the Simple Passive Cashflow podcast is the American Homeowner Preservation Fund, a crowdfunding solution to the mortgage crisis in America, empowering investors to fund the purchase of distressed mortgages. The AHP fund aims to keep people in their homes by investing in notes. It's an opportunity to earn returns while feeling good about making positive social impact. You can start investing with as little $100. You can learn more at investinahp.com. And if you want the free Burn Zone book, please send me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. You know, we talk about apartment buildings and, you know, if you have a B-class apartment building, you have an A-class lobby. It's all about making the tenant feel significant and special. I mean, at the end of the day, they want to feel good about the home that they're living in and that's what's going to keep them around forever. So if it means a little cool little electronic sitting on their countertop or their wall that it makes them feel significant, then so be it. That $200 is well spent. Yep. And you, and you definitely see it happening already in the A-class rentals that it definitely makes sense for. Eventually, like you said, as the price goes down, if it becomes a standard, then it's something um, that people will consider. And it does help the real estate investor to log in to see is their nest working, is the heat working? And for them to get an alert that says the heat's not working, you need to get a technician out there ASAP. Um, those types of things are really, really invaluable. It can also play a little spiral in this and seeing if your tenant is just cranking up the heat, if they're even there. You know, sometimes a tenant may skip town yeah. and you may, this is the tip off and these are the exceptions that you need to be looking for. 
Absolutely. Another thing that came to mind is, you, know, you mentioned single family home. Most times the tenant will be paying the utilities. And that's, you know, if, if you're not doing that, you need to change that. You need to change that right away. Uh, but, you know, in this land between duplexes, triplexes, quads, to maybe an eightplexes or 16, you know, that yeah. these apartment buildings, these small apartment buildings are not individually metered. It's always a gray area. Like, how do you split the costs between the tenants, you know, if, if everybody's just splitting costs per square footage or some kind of arbitrary thing like that? Now, you know, it, everybody's just going to be taking long showers all day long, right? Yeah, well, that and that's why you have rubs, and you also have um, you you also if you can get some metering in there, that's something I'm a huge fan of. But like you said, with every single every single decision in the management space, you always want to make sure um, that you look at what's the cost of this. If I'm putting some metering in, some metering in. What is the cost of that versus what is the return? Potentially, I should just do a ratio utility utility billing system and go based on um, square footage or some other metric that seems fair and that I can justify. The whole submarinering thing seems it's getting a little bit obsolete with all these electronics. I mean, it's kind of like wiring your house up with speakers when this day and age you just use Bluetooth. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I do think the technology will get there um, and improve, like you said, where submetering seems like a thing of the past. In some of these neighborhoods, you know, submetering is the best and fastest way to go. So the Nest right now, it hooks up directly with the heater right now, and there's a binomial, either it's on or off. Is that how it controls things? So it's a thermostat. So you um, plug it in, you take out your existing thermostat. It's something that you can install yourself and um, directly put it on. They have multiple other products that they've, that they've had come out um, recently, and so it's just the start of home technology. Yeah, so let's talk about some of those other ones. I'm sure there's like even like key locking ones. Yeah, there's definitely key locks. It's interesting because, you know, we're talking about the rental industry. I am a bit skeptical again that at this point in time that you should use keyless entry on rental homes. Um, you know, the best thing I've found from a return perspective is actually just using regular lock boxes. Um, you do have to check if you are putting lock boxes on the property for a spare key. You do have to um, check your state specifications because in a lot of cases, you'll have to, in the lease agreement, mention that there's a lockbox somewhere on the property. Um, but a lot of that, I think, um, a lot of that technology goes into the primary residences before they're even going to make their way to the rentals. I've actually used some other very similar technology, and it's pretty sleek. You know, you can p give people access. You can take it away, you know, with a click of a button on the app. It's definitely a good way to do the short-term rentals, even though I'm not a fan of the short-term rentals for many reasons. And you guys can shoot me an email on that. Um, but, I mean, I guess what, what else other than the locking mechanism and then the heating is coming down the pipeline? Hardware, and then I'll go into software. When you look at hardware, I think every single appliance that you have and having some sort of smart technology or tracking on that of, how old is this appliance? When should I replace it? I think all of that comes into play um, and will eventually through time even get better and it will become a it will become second nature that when you buy something at Lowe's or Home Depot that it automatically has some sort of tracking in it. Um, but of course that's right now for primary residences. Um, I think the, the smarter thing with rental homes is um, within the technology of software of saying, 
how can software work for me to make sure that I can keep track of everything going on in my rentals? And so that comes down to tagging every single one of your appliances and when do you think that they're um, going to be depreciated and having a, an alert the year before to make sure you budget that. All of the way to saying, how are you collecting rent? How are you listing your property? How are you responding and following up with leads? I think a lot of the technology on the hardware side gets expensive for rentals, but when you look at the software side, that is really where the rental industry can benefit significantly, um, whether it's for a full service property manager or for a real estate investor who's doing the management themselves or through their employees. Other investors, you know, even doing the out-of-state thing when they're miles and miles away, they are using some apps and different services. And there's probably about two or three of them trying to do the land grab on being the perennial provider. Everything's done with an app. Everything's systematized with tenant screening and contracts and notifications on when the tenant wants something done. Personally, I'm just not a fan of that. I think you still need that, that interface or the enforcer to keep that tenant in line especially if you're working with C-class clientele, who a lot of them don't even have bank accounts or the internet. Oh, they, do, they do have iPhones, apparently. Yep, they all do have iPhones, even in the C-class rentals that we see. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. You still need someone locally there to be able to do it. And so you two things working for you. And I'll relate it to Airbnb. I'll give you an example with that. So what you need is the software working for you for all of the administrative stuff to make sure that that on-ground support isn't missing something. You know, if someone hasn't paid their rent, there has to be an alert right out that you know that by the second of the month um, to make sure you have that local enforcer there, um, whether they're serving papers or whether they know, let me follow up and see what's going on here. I think you need the software with that, but then you also need that local on-ground support of someone physically there. How I relate it is a little bit um, to something like Airbnb that's taken over the short-term space, which is obviously different than long-term rentals, but it's the same and the technology works for you to connect you with people. But what really makes Airbnb a great model, at least from it's more of a hotel um, than a rental, but what it really does is the people component. So the reviews and the rating systems associated with, is this person a, were they a good host? All of that really plays into account. And I noticed that with Airbnb that, you know, once people started leaving presents for me, the tenants, that that whole part of it is what makes Airbnb not a hotel company, not, you know, a crash pad for people, but an experience and I think long-term rentals is a little bit different. It's a cash flow game, and you also have to be very careful not to have personal relationships with your tenants. But at the same time, I still think in that respect, you do need to say, okay, there still physically needs to be someone there on the call, someone there locally to do it. Um, and that's that's really what we've done with Hemlane is saying, okay, how do you make software work for you, but how is that a connector have local support that you need in your given area. Dana, anything you've recently changed your mind on in the uh, rental space? You know, we also say that ego gets in the way of greatness. And a lot of times, most people who don't go anywhere are the ones who are so stubborn to their current ideas. Yeah, I, I've made a lot of mistakes on that technology front. That technology doesn't solve everything, right? You still have that human component. I think even more important being on the asset management side and the property management side of things is 
my view and take on property managers. So before I became one in the sense of, you know, helping with asset management for that, I always said with localized property managers of, oh, you know, they take a lot of your, they take up to 50% of your profits in a lot of areas, as well as they're not transparent. You know, I don't know how much the bill is that they're giving off to the vendor. Are they screwing me over? And I just had a really negative perception of property managers. And I, I actually was very quick to say that and very outspoken about that. I've actually been completely wrong with that. Now I'm apologizing about it I'm here on the air. Um, because a property manager, actually, when you look at their job, it, it is a low margin business and they're trying to be the jack of all trades where they're going through and they have to do everything. They have to be a good salesperson and do the leasing. They also have to understand maintenance and be able to coordinate that. They also have to be really good with communications and deal with tenants. And so when you look at property managers today, it wasn't until I got into it and I started shadowing a property manager that I realized it is one of those thankless jobs. They're the first to get blamed and the last to get credit, but something that's necessary in real estate management and, and they don't get enough credit for who they are. And so when I look at out-of-state investing and when I look at how you manage those properties remotely, really having that localized and special um, support to be able to provide you with with transparency, but also having them have to deal with all those headaches and remembering that they're doing it, even though you don't know about it. That is something that I'm really appreciative of now, which I wasn't until I actually got into the property management space. Tell all the time on this podcast that property managers, you know, you just need a license to do it. So most people who are not very sophisticated, they'll just go to the big brokerage house, you know, the big people that sell a lot of homes and you're going to get the property manager that can't even sell homes. And that bozo is not going to be a very good property manager. So um, just keep going off referrals on property manager and they are the most important people on your team. Yep, absolutely. Um, and, you know, that's and that's what I've spent now my time doing is connecting real estate investors, not only with the software technology, because as we mentioned, the hardware is a little bit behind the times, not only connecting them with the software, but also connecting them with the people. And so saying in your area, here is the local support. You can either use them just for showings, for your leasing, or you can use them more at a full service faucet and, and they can do more tasks for you and being able to connect people with licensed real estate agents and having a review system in place because Yelp, believe it or not, it's all just a bunch of angry tenants writing angry reviews about property managers. And so it's not a great place. So like you said, having some referrals and having some accurate reviews on them makes a whole lot more sense. Um, and you don't necessarily need to go to the large brokerages. Like you said, there are a lot of people out there who do property management at a um, at a level of just an individual. And it's very difficult to find those people. But once you find a good one, you want to continue to work with them. Yeah, I think it's funny. When I look at apartment buildings and I look at the property management company managing them, I actually look for the negative reviews because I know that they're the people that aren't afraid of making people upset. <laughs> yes, I, I actually think it's funny that you said that um, because I do not agree more um, in the sense of when it comes to maintenance and stuff, I definitely want the property managers to be on top of it or our team. We have um, virtual um, remote maintenance managers um, to do the management. So they virtually 
coordinated. But I want that person to be on top of it as quickly as possible. But when it comes to rent collection, I want it to be a very clear line that, hey, if you haven't paid by the due date, um, you're at a risk of not only a late fee, but also that eviction notice going out. And I think that is crucial, like you said, and you don't want the property manager who's going to be best friends with the tenant. You do want to make sure that's also a professional level. And um, having those those negative reviews from tenants can often be a good thing because it means that the property manager is following every guideline from saying you can't move into the property until the actual date of the move-in, keeping that liability off you, all the way to saying that, you know, rent has to be collected on this time. And also this isn't the hotel business. So I'm not going to come over and change your light bulb. You can do that yourself. It, you're hundred percent right about that, that a, a negative tenant review is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, idea I had with this uh, Nest software or this hardware is that you can give it to your tenant, uh, maybe a C, low B, and this tenant's already in place. So they're already living there. And we talked before it's probably not, you're not going to see the rate increases or anything like that, or, you know, initially. But I think uh, people talk about giving their tenants a gift, you know, once they've been in the property a few years or a couple years, and it really helps foster that goodwill relationship between the landlord and tenant. Another idea is, you know, giving them a Christmas turkey, something like that. That can mean a lot during Christmas time. But, you know, something like this nest, giving them cool looking electronic that empowers them to save more on utilities that directly impacts the tenant in this case is no better way to build goodwill. What's your opinion on that? Factor in that the tenant's going to be there um, long term, at least um, one or two more years. If you, It might even be a way to sign a gift and also say, hey, will you sign another two year lease in my place? Um, that makes a whole lot more sense um, to put a nest in because that type of relationship right there, the tenant's automatically going to see their utility bill decrease and they're going to say, wow, it's not just a Christmas turkey that you're giving me. You're actually giving me money back into my pocket. And then you can advertise that nest for the next tenants, right, to say we do have a nest. And if, if your property is comparable to another one, and it's similarly priced, those next tenants are going to say, um, okay, we'll take the one that's going to save us on a utility bill. Um, so that it, it's a great idea to put it in as a way to incentivize your current, current tenants to stay there and appreciate you as a real estate owner even more. Yeah, the only hard part is this is not really fixed to the building, so it can walk off if your tenant gets angry. Exactly. And, and that's another thing about it is they are so easy to put on that you do want to make sure your tenant doesn't take it off. And that's why you have move in and move out inspections. Hopefully you don't have an angry tenant who's getting evicted and leaves at midnight one night, um, although that does happen. So hopefully you've screened your tenants properly. And if your tenant is a good tenant and you're looking to reward them, one would hope that from a goodwill perspective that they don't run off with the nest that you've given them as a gift um, to upgrade the appliances. All right, Dana, anything we missed? You want to give your contact information out there for people to get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can reach out to me at Dana at Hemling.com. I'd love to hear from you, um, as well as if you want to um, shoot me a text message or anything like that, um, you can feel free to reach out at 385-355-4361. Um, as far as how I can help you, um, if anyone's asking, you know, how can I manage my properties remotely? How can I get better um, transparency into my assets? How can I work with my on-site property managers, local support better? 
I'm happy to kind of walk you through how that can be helpful for you and um, how, how we've made it successful at Henley. Thanks, Dana. So much. Have a great one. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.